Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Aggressively Podcast. Sincere Hogan, Mike Marlin. What's going on, brother? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I'm excited because I'm looking at the numbers for the Live Life Aggressively Summit we're doing in September, and we've got 31 people signed up. Oh, wow. So, I mean, this is going to be incredible, man. So September 2021, I was for some reason, I almost said October. I was like, are we doing? Look, man, don't confuse people anymore. We already had one of our fans, you know, one of our listeners already confused even our own, like, instructor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so Prince, first of all, Prince, I got to call you out, brother. And I'm not talking about the purple one. It's <laughs> my Prince Bell, the one from Tennessee. Get the dates right, brother. You're confusing people out there on Facebook. You got people thinking that it's happening on, on Labor Day weekend, which, no, we're not doing anything on Labor Day weekend that's not happening it is september 20th and 21st again september 20th and 21st so there's no confusion out there for some of the posts out there so i know it can be a little confused hell even mike's getting confused i think you're thinking about your birthday i know it feels like it's gonna be one big birthday party for you, but you're a month ahead exactly. brother you and ken you can celebrate a month after with your birthday is calm <laughs> no we're gonna we're gonna make the course the celebration for sure <laughs> no but we're at 31 so i mean we have a guy just emailed me from the uk saying he wants to sign up so we could be at 32 before the show is even over today but anyway i mean we've got let's say Literally nine spots left right now, possibly eight by the time the show is over. But the bottom line is the course is going to sell out fast. Yes. It's a very good chance it's going to sell out this month, which means everyone's going to get in at the VIP price, which is pretty cool. But if you wait until May 1st, assuming we have any spots left, the price goes up to 1200 bucks. So, I mean, if you sign up right now, you're going to save $400 and get in at the lowest price possible and ensure that you actually get in. Because once it gets <clears> to 40 that's it. We, we close it down. We put together a waiting list. First come, first serve. We have to wait for someone to drop out of the course if that happens, and then we'll offer it to whoever comes next, et cetera. Right. But why, why even put yourself through that? You, know, you want to know that you're going to be coming out to the course in September. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be Kim Blackburn, Steve Cotter, Sincere Hogan, and myself. Two days, eight hours instruction each day. We're going to have extracurricular activities. I've got two locations I'm looking at. I'm going to make a decision. They're both great locations. I'm just trying to make a decision on logistics and other factors. Once I have the location nailed down, I'm going to look into group hotel deals at nice places, high-end hotels, so that everyone is staying in a nice place and we have opportunities to get together there. So it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a fun time, which is why 31 people have signed up, and the only people who know about it are the people who listen to this show. We haven't even gone to any of our websites yet. Exactly. Exactly, man. Which is pretty freaking cool. So, how about All that? Right. Membership has membership has its privileges on this show, people. So, there you go. There are going to be people that are out there listening, and well, not even listening, but let's just say the people on our email list, people on our that go to our websites, they're going to be out of luck. <laughs> so they're going to be like, "Wow, how did I miss out on this? Should have been listening to the show." Shame on you, as Mike said a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Speaking of the show, our guest today is so excited to get on that she just hacked her way on. <laughs> I, I just saw her name pop up. Hello, it's like hello. Hi. Hi. I, I kind of tricked you, didn't Mike? Was, <laughs> Mike was like, "How'd you throw your voice like that, sincere?" <laughs> how you doing, Lorna? I'm great. How are you both? Oh, we're doing oh, we're great. Doing good. Good. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for coming on. We know you're a busy lady these oh. days. Well, thank you for having me. It's really my pleasure, and I, I'm really honored. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah, for those odds, it's going to be great. For those who don't know Lorna, she's the first international master of sport, first American international mm-hmm. master of sport, badass kettlebell lifter, super cool lady, and she's got a lot of cool, interesting projects she's working on now. So, yeah, I think he just got dropped. So I, I guess we can just talk right, about how you guys started kettlebell sport. So, so how did you yeah. start? Okay. So, um, yeah, as a kid, I had terrible asthma, and then uh, in my early 20s, I joined what was the first Equinox in Westchester. Uh, it wasn't corporate yet. It was privately owned. And I, um, I overcame my asthma by taking a, a bunch of uh, fitness classes. I started with step and then aerobics, and um, through the years, I just I added on, and I started taking boxing, which was actually the hardest thing I'd ever done was boxing and boxing conditioning and hitting pads and hitting the bag and running the stairs and the jump rope. And over those years, my, um, my breathing got much better. My conditioning was terrific. And then I met um, who, Carl, who was to become my husband, and we moved down to Florida. Uh, and while I, was, while I was in the process of selling my apartment to move to Florida, I was researching online where I could find good fitness classes because I didn't want to miss a beat between leaving Westchester and then going down to Florida. And lo and behold, I really couldn't find any good classes. So I was asking around for a personal trainer, and a friend introduced me to um, 
this gentleman, his name is Adam Cronin. And I said, hey, Adam, I heard you're a really good trainer. Um, I don't work much with trainers, but I can't find any good classes, and I want to stay in shape. Would you train me? And he was like, sure, okay. Uh, he said, have you ever used a kettlebell? I said, no, I've seen them around, but I've never used one. Let's, you know, what is it? So we started playing with the kettlebell, and I fell in love with it. And I was working with him for about three, three times a week for about a year and a half. And uh, he then introduced me to then, – then I came back up to New York. We left Florida, came back to New York. But um, on my way back to New York, he said, hey, why don't you look into kettlebell sport because you work hard, um, you're in great shape, and you're, you know, you're motivated. And I had no idea what kettlebell sport was. But he introduced me to my – who was at that point my first coach um, in San Diego – and I trained with him for about a year, and I did my first uh, two competitions with him. No, my first, my first competition with him. And that's how it all started. And then it just, I, was, I was hooked. Now, what did you find? Was the, did you find it difficult to transition from the kettlebell training you started with to the kettlebell sport? Because it's such a different technique. So was there, did you have to start with from ground zero again, or how was that transition for you? No, um, actually no, because... Um, Adam actually introduced the snatch, the swing snatch, to me first. Uh, we did a little bit of barbell jerk, and we did some kettlebell jerk, but we did a lot of snatching in the beginning. Um, I'm not, I don't remember why he introduced me to that first, but that's why I got good at the snatch was because I started with it, with Adam. And then right. when I went out to San Diego, uh, my coach said, look, you know, there's, a, there's an international competition coming up in eight months for IGSF and it's here in California, why don't you train for it? And I thought, well, you know, is eight months enough time? But I thought, all right, if, if you will coach me and you think I'm good enough to get on the platform, then um, I'll say yes and I'll do it. So IGSF only has snatch for women. They don't have the jerk or the long cycle for women. Right. Um, so I did, so my first competition was also snatch. So I just started with snatch in, in every vein and, um, and then I did, biathlon and I did long cycle in between but now I'm back to snatch only because it's really um it's just my favorite lift I feel you I feel you yeah and <laughs> that, that being said you know you said that the IGSF you know at that you know at the time they um the only competition they had for women were snatch but if right. you see lately probably in the last year or so we've seen it really grow here in the U.S. kettlebell oh. sport that is and we're starting to see more events being opened up to the females out there where yeah. you've They've gone on to have biathlon and or jerk only, as well as now double jerks in some, yeah. some organizations. And let me ask you this. Now, before there was always this myth that women should not be doing long cycle or jerk because mm -hmm. of they may hurt themselves, meaning mm -hmm. they may hurt the breast tissue or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about that now or even then? And do you think that it's a good thing that now the, the categories of women, the events for women are starting to expand beyond just snatch only? I do. I, you know, I, I thought about it for a while, and it made sense to me that women were doing long cycle and jerk on one side um, because women are not as strong as men. But there are some women out there who they're, they're training. I may think of Donica or I think of Jennifer Hindenburger and the other Lana. women uh, <laughs> that are doing double bell jerks and long cycle. And you know what? They're blowing it out of the It's just fantastic. They're just blowing the roof off. So, um, you know, I thought about it, and I, I think that uh, women should be allowed to do um, not only heavier weight, but also bi uh, double bells if they want to do bi bilateral. Because um, I don't care for – I love to do the jerk, but I don't like holding a single bell because of the way you have to transition your hip. Um, right. For me, it just – you know, I have a healthy body, but it just throws off my sacroiliac. I don't like the weight distribution of, of having to shift my body over to hold the weight and then push it off of my, my hip and my chest. I don't find – I had more trouble physically um, with the long cycle and the jerk than I've ever had with the snatch. I've had no, no issues at all ever with, with all the years of doing snatch. But um, I think for the women to do double bells would be, um, would be better physically for them. To, to do the bilateral bells. And if they can put it up, they, they, all you need is a shoulder stability. Now, as far as the breast tissue, I, I really don't think it's a concern because um, you're really resting your hand and the weight on your pectoral. Mm -hmm. And so it's way above the breast tissue. I, I just don't see it as a big concern. 
I think one of the issues I can see with doing unilateral, just doing just one arm, let's say clean and jerk, or one arm jerk. I think one of the issues I can see, especially if you, as, the, as the female athlete gets stronger and the weight gets heavier, one of the issues you can start seeing is just, just that pressure of coming down from mm-hmm. that overhead lockout position and the issues that just over time, every little rep, just piece by mm-hmm. piece, little bit by bit, is really doing a little, dam- little more damage to the knees. And one thing about it, we see a lot of ACL injuries with female athletes compared to male athletes all the time just because of bone structure, let's just say the way the hips are designed on women compared to men. And I actually just feel like just that, that imbalance of having that heavy weight come down every time just yeah. over, you know, just in repetition. Over and over, especially when you're going exactly. with 24s and then 28s. And exactly. Oh, my goodness, it gets right. to be so heavy. So, you know, it would be great to see women back down to maybe 16s which is, you know, 70 pounds total, and then um, put, put two bells up. And there's no reason they can't yeah. do it. So I definitely see the, um, the sport moving in that direction. And women in America are definitely leading the sport. There are so yeah. many women no doubt. Um, at each no competition, doubt. just so many more women. And these are women who mm-hmm. used to run or they used to do high-impact sports, and they can't do it anymore because they have an injury or it's just they can't take it anymore. But kettlebell sport, they can do, and it keeps them in shape, and they still have to have the power and the strength and the endurance and the flexibility and the, uh, the stability. So it's bringing together all of the aspects that fitness offers, but you're standing in one place, which is as we get older, um, it's just it's the best sport. I can't think of another sport that, that you can do as you get older like this one. Well, unlike a lot of other sports, in my opinion, I feel like this is the one sport where the techniques that you learn, whether you compete or not, most of the technique, when you really dial them in and have the right coaching, it is mm-hmm. the one sport that carries over and becomes a great assistance-type sport or supplement to other sports out there, whereas it's really not so true the other way around. Right. Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so satisfying to see a woman, um, whether it's a private client of mine or women who come to competitions that I'm meeting for the first time, and they're like, yeah, I used to run or I used to play tennis, I used to do this, and I'm in my early 50s, and somebody just encouraged me and said, yeah, you can, you can lift that 12 kg. You, you're already 50% through the 10-minute set or, or what have you, you know, and they just get excited, and they're like, okay, well, let me see what else I can do, and I, I just love the empowerment, and guys get that too, but it's nice to see women, middle-aged women, and, you know, excited about something and excited about themselves and proud of themselves. And that's, that's really um, what's moving kettlebell sport in America. Now, do you find that with the kettlebell, especially with women, they resonate with it a little bit more because it, the kettlebell doesn't necessarily seem like something that has been owned and dominated by men, like mm-hmm. dumbbells and barbells. Whereas the kettlebell still seems like this, it's almost, it's still this mystical creature in, right. in, in, in weightlifting <laughs> for some reason that no one has really claimed other than, Russia, not a specific right. gender, but a country, you know, and, and it, right. it seems like, okay, oh, so the, it seems like the field is still wide open for who can just really dominate with training with this tool compared to dumbbells and barbells. When you think about barbells, you think of like Olympic weightlifters. You see these big guys, you know, in the Olympics and, or you see dumbbells, you think about bodybuilders and then you see how these guys look. And then you look at some of the women that compete competitively in bodybuilding right. and it's not necessarily what a woman wants to look like, at least back then. Now, things are changing a little bit these days, but not enough to make it very welcoming to a lot of women. So, yeah, I just feel like it just the kettlebell is still, like I said, that mystical creature that people can feel like, okay, no matter what gender, I can do this. I like this. This is, this is absolutely, different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the thing is getting the word out um, about what, kettle, what kettlebell sport is. And, um, you know, I, I wrote an article for my blog on, you know, the, the, the basic details of kettlebell sport, what does it mean to, what does a rank mean? And what does a rank mean versus saying that you're a world champion? What does it mean to win a world championship? And what uh, organizations do you have to attend or participate in to get that title? Um, What does honored master sport mean? What does master sport, what does it all mean? Because there's lots of jargon, lots of um, lingo, and people don't understand what it is. So I, try, I post that article every couple of months and just say, share it so people mm-hmm. share it with their friends, share it with your you know, uh, family, just so they know what you're, even if you're not in kettlebell sport, if you're into fitness, just share it. Um, what I get a lot, or the question I get a lot is that when people hear that I do kettlebells or kettlebell sport, the first thing they say is, oh, is that like CrossFit? Because people know now what CrossFit is, even though CrossFit's actually been around for a long time, but now right. it's just... 
everybody knows what CrossFit is now. But in the first decade or so, when it was just blossoming, people didn't know. It was this underground thing, just like kettlebells were. So, you know, people know what CrossFit is, and they know that in CrossFit you use kettlebells. So is kettlebell sport like CrossFit. And so, you know, hopefully in time, people will um, become more familiar with kettlebells and kettlebell sport and, you know, understand what this 10-minute um, power endurance feat is all about. But, you know, it takes time. Yeah, one of the things I think that really helped CrossFit is just the, when ESPN and Reebok came on board. Yeah. And really, really just pushed them over the edge like boom and really made it very popular, made it very accessible to the general public. Now, mm-hmm. what do you think it'll take for kettlebell sport to even um, just get a quarter of where CrossFit yeah. is now? Yeah, I mean, getting a big sponsorship would be great. I'm not sure who that would be, but um, it needs to get some more. It needs to get some advertising, <laughs> but we definitely need a corporate sponsor. That would be fantastic because, you know, yeah, it's it's just – and actually the athletes, the, the aesthetic that this sport creates is just amazing. It's beautiful for men and for women. The fat loss and the lean muscle and the posture and the, the show, you know, the stability, and it's just great. So there's lots to uh, lots of good things to boast about. Now, what, what did you find the physique composition benefits were you for you personally when you started training with kettlebells, especially the kettlebell sport? Yeah, well, when I um, I competed for four years and then I took a two-year retirement, what I thought was going to be a retirement turned into a hiatus, but I thought <laughs> it was. So, you know, when I came back to it, I noticed that um, definitely my butt was lifted and tighter. I mean, definitely for the butt, it's the, it's just the best thing in the world. Um, my abs are just tighter and uh, everything, shoulder stability, um, but I basically notice a tremendous benefit in my, my cardio output, um, my endurance, but aesthetically, it's mostly the butt and the abs. Right. Now, you just, you just described why every woman likes kettlebell training. Exactly. Yeah. Women, just the women do kettlebell swings for the first time, and the next day, there's their whole posterior chain. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. They're just, like, all right, this is it. I just found my training system. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. That's right. They, they're shocked at how, because they're not feeling so tired. They actually, you know, they go with a, they, you suggest that you take, they take a 20, and they actually take a 15, because they think the 20 is going to be too heavy, and they're still sore with the 15. So it's, it's just because of the range of motion. It's fantastic. No, that's pretty- no, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, actually, I had a, actually I had I had a, well, but you guys you guys had a nice dialogue going, and I was thinking I had a few questions that I was writing down as we went into that. But let me let me find that real quick and let you guys flow again for a second. So yeah, Lauren. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So during that hiatus, what was the reason that you took the hiatus? Because you know, right around the time you took the hiatus, right around the time when I started competing. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, actually, I first came across. I was first made aware of you before we actually met. First time I ever saw you was actually in Borders, <laughs> not, and that was in a book. In Borders? Oh, in the <laughs> book. Oh, yeah, like, the book. Like, stalk, it was stalking you there. Kettlebell stalker? No. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was like, wait, where, which bookstore? Because so, <laughs> all of them are closing down here in New York. Exactly. But, um, yeah, the book. Um, yeah, the book, if I um, – boy, that was uh, – it's hard to work with a publisher because, <laughs> you know, you give them all the information out of your heart and they change things around. So, you know, I'm much, uh, I'm much more in control of the DVD production than I was with the book. So I don't, I don't even promote the book anymore. The yeah, book, but, uh, but, you know, a lot of people liked it and a lot of people still, you know, comment that they're getting good results from it. But, you know, the book is, uh, yeah, the book so is, like, really old at this point. Yeah, back then to actually find yeah. a good book on kettlebell training back then, say about five no, years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was one of I mean, the first. A couple but books now, out there. There was yeah. like the Kettlebell for Dummies book. There was your book. Right, there was a right. few books by Pavel, and that was about it. That was so about it. Was it was really hard yeah, to even find any exactly. good books in public. In a, in a, in a, yeah, exactly. In a general bookstore, it was really right. hard. So, yeah, that's how I ended up coming across the book. And I was like, hey, she looks familiar. I think I know her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, get, so why did I, I had, um, so I trained and competed for four years, and, mm-hmm. um, I was just kind of tired, and, uh, you know, training's hard. And oh, yeah. I, was, I had met my goals with the 20 kg and the 16 kg, and I thought, well, you know, in my third year, I thought, well, okay, I have a couple more goals to meet, and then I want to focus on the business end. I want to focus on um, creating content and creating different classes and doing the Cadillacs DVDs and um, all of this and that. So that's why I, you know, I kind of stopped. Um, and then I just focused on the business. And then 
Um, you know, I was training anyway with my strength and conditioning trainer once a week, as I had always done. Mm-hmm. And I was busting my butt every week. And then after a while, I was like, well, I'm busting my butt. Why don't I just... Oh, you know what really changed it was when I saw my coach, Rudnev. Mm-hmm. This is what really changed it. I saw him at one of the competitions where three of my students were competing because I was still coaching students. And I was judging, and I was watching him compete. And I thought to myself, you know, this man competes at every competition that he can because he loves the sport, not because he's trying to make world records every time or trying to make a personal record every time. That's not his objective. He does it because he loves it. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, (laughs) I used to love it. Even right. though I was at every every single competition, I was like, okay, I got it. I have to make a PR. I have to make a world record. I have to do this. I have to meet the rank. And, you know, that's still there for me. But now I come from it really, really because I love it. And doesn't that make a difference? I, I mean, yeah. So yeah. That's, that's when I came back to it. And I thought, okay, I, I'll start. Because I tried to start up a couple times. And um, I asked my coach to give me a program. And I started in the first set. And I was like, oh, man, I just... You know, my mind wants to do it, but my heart's not there. And I tried right. twice, and then finally when I said, you know, just do it for the love of it, and then I, I jumped back in the pool. Yeah, I, I'm feeling you because for a minute there, I was pretty much the same way, where I just I was feel like I was done. Like I'm just, I didn't feel it anymore. Because, right. again, I, I had so many expectations. I had, I'm like, okay, I got to hit this number. I got to do this. I got to get, I got to get. CMS this time, I'm, you know, right. which is candidate for master of sport. And then I want to get master of sport by the end of the year, and I got to move up to the 24s. Now I got to get to the 32. So right. it came with all this, all this, putting all this pressure. Because one thing about it, the one thing that's beautiful and the one thing that sucks about kettlebell sport, it is, yeah, there may be, you may have a coach, you may have a team, but it is a lonely sport. Because when you're there training, <laughs> most of the time, you are by yourself. So it is. You, you're pretty much competing with yourself. You're coaching yourself for the most part. Even though you're getting, you may have programming coming from another coach. Right. But at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, when they send you that program, it's you that's sitting in that hot garage in the yep. backyard or at the gym doing that program, filming yourself, and send it over to your coach. So you are pretty much 90% of the time alone. So yeah. Yeah. one of the biggest, your biggest critic is always going to be you. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so it's just tough. so much pressure. And so I just really got tired. And plus, like I said, especially with long cycles, so much wear and tear on your body. It's yeah. just starting to feel like, especially if you're getting older, you're just like, dude, okay, why am I doing this again? I'm not getting paid. I'm right. not sponsored. I'm like, why the hell right, do I right, do this to right. myself? And, you know, and then you start just looking around like, look at my body. It's starting to take a toll you know, on my body, and the recovery is starting to suck. So then, yeah, it just becomes all these, all these demons just start coming in your head. But then you go to a competition again, and then you, one thing about going to a competition, if you've competed, the last thing you want to do is sit at that table and be a judge or walk around, help somebody out. When you're sitting there and you look at that platform, you're like, why the hell am I not competing? I can still judge. I can still coach yeah. and help my students. But, okay, just one event. I can at least just jump in and do a five-minute sprint, you know, sprint set or something. So it right. starts to eat at you because, again, in the beginning, you forgot you love this. And right. the thing about it, what we talk about all the time, people right. that compete in kettlebell sport, we do it because we love it. Because, honestly, what else are we going to really get out of this? Right. That, that's going to matter. That's going to no, matter. No, you better, you have to love it. You have to love it. <laughs> Otherwise, oh, my God, it, you know, I understand when people try it and they walk away. But not too many do. <laughs> it becomes addictive. Not too many yeah. walk away. I think it's a pretty small percentage. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's an important philosophy in general. Just in business, you see a lot of people get into a business, whether it's our line of work or something else, and they come out excited. And then all of a sudden, because they just, they're just so happy to be doing their passion, and then all of a sudden it becomes a business where there's numbers involved and there's goals and there's expectations. And at that point, it's, it becomes like the job you just quit right. in the corporate world, and it's not as fun anymore. And I, the goals are important, but I think especially in the Western world, we tend to be extremely attached to outcomes to Absolutely. the point where it takes all the fun out of the process because you can't be in the moment when you're always thinking about these numbers you have to hit. Remember, Charles Staley made a point saying he had a client who wanted to lose some body fat. And he said, when I get this six-pack, I'll finally be happy. And he's like, well, oh, why, can't yeah. you be ha- why can't you be happy right now? <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Because there's so many things for you to be happy about. And the bottom line is when you, when you think that attaining something is going to change you that dramatically, you're going to be completely disappointed because oh, it's going to yeah. be totally anticlimactic. That's right. You're always chasing that carrot. And then the other thing is, you know, it's just, it's not the pressure. It's just enjoy the process. Just really right. enjoy the process. Right. And the thing is also about, 
you know, I learned that I can just turn off that mechanism of, you know, I have to reach this goal and I have to do this and I have to do that. It's just just trusting myself that every time I do a set in my practice sets or every time I get on the platform, I know now that I, I am going to do my best. Like people sometimes say, oh, I wasn't feeling it today or I had a bad day. I mean, I, I give my best every time, and I, I, now I know because I've, I've been through the, the you know, years of doing this. So I can take the edge off mentally, and when I, when I actually do the, the workout or I do my performance, I know I'm going to give my all. It's, it's not in question. It's not like I have to, you know, worry that I'm not going to be present or be, you know. So now it's a big matter of trusting myself and trusting my experience and um, knowing that I can get into that zone right away. Right. And, now, Lauren, do you ever think that sometimes as kettlebell sport athletes, I think our, do you think that our biggest problem is not so – we carry over a lot of – baggage from other you know competitive sports that we Uh think that if we don't hit a certain number or look a certain way or make it to that full 10 minute set or hit a high number doing a five minute sprint that people that are observing us are going to judge us and think like oh he he sucked today or he dropped the bill today oh he sucked whereas (laughs) whereas you know in other sports it's like if you're you're playing football and you fumble everybody's pissed they're booing you you know if you're in the you know you're in the (laughs) ufc if you're competing mma and you're both just doing you're both doing jujitsu at the time and you're just on the ground and even though you're trying to figure out how to get away from the guy the crowd gets pissed because you're not standing up and beating the crap out of each other where so i think it's or in basketball if you miss that shot and you're hitting air balls all day you're getting booed (laughs) so in kettlebell we feel like if we end up having a bad day we don't make our set we didn't get a number we dropped the kettlebell or or I don't know, our grip just gives way or something like that. We just, do, we, do you think that we still have so much baggage from other sports that we think, like, well, that's the reason why I'm not feeling today or this because it, deep down inside we think everybody watching us is judging us when, in fact, they're kind of looking like, dude, I don't know how the hell y'all do that. Exactly. I, I, <laughs> we missed no, the point, I, you know. Exactly. It's not from other sports. I think it's just because, like you said, it, it's, this is a, a lonely endeavor, and we are our worst critics, and you have to be. You can't be gentle on yourself in this sport. We're on our right. own, training on our own, and we have only ourselves to coach us unless we're in the presence of our coach, which is rare. Right. And, right. you know, so we have to coach ourselves and talk to ourselves and encourage ourselves. So, of course, when we, lift, when we lose the bell or when our, you know, if we don't make it to 10 minutes, it, it, I don't think it's that we're embarrassed so much as we're like, oh, damn, you know, I did better at home or, oh, you know, I wish I could have, I was so close to that 10 minutes, of, you know, but that's it, you know, it's, right. it's not a matter of, um, it's not the crowd, I think it's our own head, and I have to say the kettlebell community is just a fantastic community, I love it, it's a family, and every, we all suffer together, and we all enjoy the accolades together, we all know what it takes to get up there, whether you do a three-minute set or a 10-minute set, um, we all know what it's like. So it's a really, really nice community, and I'm so glad to see it growing. It's fantastic. Well, definitely, definitely. That's great. Well, that's pretty cool. Now, how, how are you taking your proficiency with kettlebell sport and transitioning it into your product line? Is it a strong component of your videos, the new stuff you're working on now? No, not at all. It's with, kettle, it's with fitness bells, small bells. So women are usually using 15 pounds and men are using maybe 25 pounds. It's basic fitness movement. So we're doing swings. We're doing halos with a little bit of choreography involved. We're doing push presses. But it's, it's basic movements. Um, it's fun movements. It's a lot of new um, patterns of movements that I've created that are fun with the kettlebell. So people can realize that this is a curvy linear tool and different planes of motion. But it it's really has nothing to do with kettlebell sport yet. So this series of DVDs that I put out is a beginner, intermediate, and advanced workout, but it's really, it's, it's all for, for fitness. It's not for GS yet. Now, are you teaching classes as well? You're, you're based in New York City, right? I am. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of trainers whom I've trained who are teaching for me at Equinox, um, but okay. right now I'm focusing on the business end. So I'm looking to do more DVDs, create more workouts, and keep competing. So I'm not teaching right now. I'm just doing one-on-one trainings. Uh, with clients and GS coaching, and then I have trainers that I train. Okay. How, how has the business side been? Is that what are what are some of the frustrations you've had to deal with oh, to try I, to make this whole thing happen? <laughs> this interview doesn't. We don't have enough time. <laughs> I'll just say one thing. I'll say okay. that um, if anybody is looking to expand their fitness uh, brand and they they hire somebody as a consultant. 
Uh-huh. Um, be sure that that consultant really knows the fitness industry. That's all I'll say. So, you know, I was working with somebody who is a very, very, very bright person, um, and they know how to make things happen. But, um, you know, you can't take a cookie-cutter pattern and that applied with one person and apply it to me and expect right. it to work. Um, so it, it didn't work, and that's why it took me so long to get this simple DVD package. It took me so long. And that's the, the short of the, the very long story. So um, just be careful <laughs> who, you, who you work with. And, um, you know, otherwise right now, now that I'm working on my own, Things are going much better. <laughs> that was a big lesson. Yeah, well, that, that, that's what I was alluding to was the fact that everything yeah. I've done has always been on my own. And, and every yeah. workshop I've ever promoted has been one I promoted, videos, yep. now my nutrition supplement line. These are all things I take charge of. And the, the cool thing about that is you can be way more expedient. If I tried to do yeah. this through some other medium or with some other company, it would take forever because one of my supplements, I, was, I actually designed it, and I was just going to give it to another company for a royalty yeah. And that, that was taking forever. They kept flaking, and I finally got fed up and said, just forget it, guys. I'll just do this on my own, and I'll make way more anyway. And it ended up being yeah. a good thing that they flaked because – You know, I, I've, got, I've had the same experience. I'm not um, – it's you know, it's interesting how the similar patterns or similar uh, experiences carry on through life because when I was in my right. early, early – very early 20s, I thought I wanted to be in theater and uh, be a dancer and actor, actress in the theater – so I was auditioning, and you know, I had my songs ready, and I had my monologue, and I had, you know, as ready as a dancer. And you know, I after a while, I was like, you know, I don't like standing in front of people and performing and, and letting them j- decide whether I'm worthy of a job or not. Right, and right. so, you know, like you said, Mike, it, it's now 25 years later, and I'm still, it's still the same way. Whenever I get into a position where, you know, I'm trying to work with somebody who's who's supposedly more knowledgeable, more experienced, better than I am, but they're going to end up pulling the strings. It's just, it never works out for me. Right. It's like it's not supposed to be part of my experience in life. It's not right. that I don't want it to happen. <laughs> I do want it to happen, but it never works out. <laughs> so it's a big, it's a, yeah. it always goes down the wrong road. and not, it's, right. just, it's not meant for me. So I'm think- much better and much happier to work on my own. No doubt. I think being an entrepreneur is very important for women, actually, because it's very empowering on so many levels because it's, there's, there's still a double standard in the workplace. You know, women are not getting paid as much for the same level of work, if not better work. But I think when a woman takes charge of her own career, starts her own thing, then you can write all your own rules right. and you can make things happen the way you want. I mean, just myself, being, as, just being an entrepreneur, when I worked in the corporate world, it was just one frustration after another because you came in and then you would have ideas on how to make things more efficient, and they didn't want to hear that. They're like, look, just, right. just do your job, Mike, and shut up. <laughs> we, right. we don't care about your ideas and stuff like that. And then I would put them in place anyway, and then my superior superiors would like that. But, of course, it made my immediate superiors look bad. So when it came time for someone to get fired, you know, I was at the top of that list. Right. But, but when you do your own thing, you don't have to answer to anyone. You come up with an idea. You can put it into action quickly. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yep. I mean, I'll, I'll come up with an idea for a product, and it doesn't take that long in the big scheme of things mm-hmm. to get it to the marketplace. But it's only right. because I'm controlling all the variables. Exactly. That was the thing I was going to bring up. Now, here's a beautiful thing compared to 25 years ago, Lorna. Now, we don't have to stand in front of anyone because we have a computer now or a smartphone. <laughs> and we can just, that's a big F you to all the people that want to sit there and judge us and critique us and try to give us, you know, asking them for permission to give us, you know, the go ahead on our dreams and goals. Now we can just get online and make it happen with the Internet and, and, and let the people decide. You know, the people who are actually going to buy the product, most of those folks who are like sitting there and we have to go audition for them or we have to run it by them or whatever, they're never going to buy the product, even if the product is us. You know, all they want to do is pimp the product, which would be us or whatever we put out, and try to get the most amount of royalties they can get from it. But they're never going to buy it. So why yeah. does it even freaking matter? It's better right. yet, just get it out there to the people and let them decide because at exactly. the end of the day, that's, what, that's the only thing that's going to matter. So if we suck as coaches, let the people decide that we suck, right. <laughs> you know, and, let, and let's fix right. it ASAP or choose another career instead exactly. of someone thinking like, you know, Lorna, yeah, you might – one day you may be a good coach, just not today. Can, can you come back and <laughs> just in six months, you know right. what, go F yourself, you know, in the next six yeah, months. Yeah, How about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh, been a, a hard lesson for me, but but I'm I'm really excited to be working on my own and just creating and making my own path. It's great. I feel 
really terrific about it, very liberated. liberated. It, it's such a different world we live in right now because mm -hmm. my, my brother actually just wrote a script, and then he hired the actors. He, he directed it. He produced it. Now he's editing it. And I thought it was just a dumb idea when he was doing this. I was like, there's no way you can do all of that on your own. And it's just going right. to look like crap. And then, he, and then he sent me the trailer. I said it to Sincere, too. He sent, me the, he sent me the trailer for his movie, and I was like, wow, this looks like a real movie. I was like, I can't believe he pulled this off. Man. <laughs> and you don't have to spend a lot of money. You just need the, the equipment exactly. and the editing exactly. equipment, and that's it. You can do it all you, on You have own. to have the desire, exactly. Yeah. He was willing to right. learn every facet of it, how to write a masterful script, how to film, how to edit, how to direct. I mean, he, he did more research on movies than probably anyone in the history of making movies. Right. And it shows because the, the trailer looks good. I was like, wow. It's like, oh, it, dude, it, let me tell you, I showed my wife that trailer. I didn't tell her, you know, who did it. I just showed right, her the trailer. Right. She goes, oh, she's like, oh, when's that coming out? We're going to go see that? And then, and then she sees the credits and then she just saw the last night. She goes, wait a minute, Mahler production? What? <laughs> and I was like, I said, no, it's not Mike. I said, this is actually Roger's film. She goes, oh, my God. She's, yeah. like, that's like a, she's like, that's a real – it's so funny when people that – it's people that we're connected to. Yeah, you always yeah. have to say, like, oh, that looks like a real movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, just because we know him, you know, just, she's like, oh, wow, that's like a real movie, for real. Because uh -huh. <laughs> she's so used to me because I was in the music industry, and almost every, every friend that I have, they had a demo. And you listen to it, and you're like, dude, this doesn't even sound like a demo. This sounds like you just, you just recorded this thing, I don't know, with your phone's microphone, and you just happen to just be rapping or singing or something like that, and that was it. It's like, this sounds terrible. Go put some actual production into this so yeah. someone can take you seriously. Be serious enough about what you do so someone else can take it. If you don't look like you're serious about it, why should anyone else take you seriously? Right. So, oh, but nowadays everything is so different, like you said. Oh, it's really, you can do every, right. almost everything on your own. It's fantastic. It's really yeah, great. Exactly. I mean, there's no excuse now. I mean, just even, nope. you know, in the case of Roger, I mean, I remember I have a friend who's also a filmmaker, and, you know, he, he did the same thing, pretty much did everything on his own. He ended up having one of his short films featured on HBO. And everything is there for them. Like, I remember seeing the, the script writing software and all these different things. It's like, dude, there's just no excuse anymore. Everything's right. there for you. I mean, hell, it's look at us doing this podcast right now or putting right. out DVDs. Right. We can just yeah. do it right here from the comfort of our living rooms now. You guys so. don't have, uh, you don't have stock in Skype, though, I hope. Hell, <laughs> if I if I did, I would have sold it a long time ago. Exactly, not, not impressed. It's a Microsoft product, so heck no, I'm not putting any money in that. Yeah. <laughs> well, since Sarah and I were joking around, we're like, fortunately, Lorna's is cool and we know her. But imagine if we had some really high-profile guests who's never who doesn't know us, and yeah. we're having all these technical difficulties. We're going to look like a bunch of idiots. You know, oh, they're going to be like, they're like, man, we gave time. give those two buffoons a chance on the off chance that it might you be a good what? show. And uh, this reinforces why we don't take it. Views with people. You know what's funny? Up. We should interview Bill Gates. We should interview Bill Gates on Skype, just so he can see. Oh, so he can great. see. Like, look, this is what your company has done to this company. Okay? <laughs> when he gets dropped, let him get a taste of his own medicine. You, you have know? to pre-qualify everybody uh, for a coolness factor. That's for sure. <laughs> when you're when you're a kettlebell athlete, you don't have a lot of excess energy, at least not at my age, to get stressed over much. So you can't. You know, you'd have to choose the things that you're going to get upset about. And, uh, you know, online stuff is not worth getting upset about. Exactly. What can so, you do? There's <laughs> not much of a surplus of energy. So. Exactly. Yeah. What's the next phase right now? You, the videos are going. Well, what's the next step with your business? With the business? Um, so I'm going to create more, class, more uh, content, meaning um, content that I could get into different classes or that I can present at um, either myself or my trainers can present at ECA or IDEA, um, and then do more DVDs so people can find different creative uses of kettlebells of either heavy or very light or just, you know, different workout modalities with the kettlebells. And then, um, you know, maybe I'll do something with kettlebell sport, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of information out there on kettlebell sport already. It's just a matter of getting it to the, to the public. So um, I think that would be second on my list. I, I, kettlebell fitness is first on my list, especially for women. Yeah, that sounds great. You definitely got to crawl before you walk, you know, especially when it comes right. to dealing with the, when you're dealing with the masses. So I think yeah. one of the biggest issues we have inside the world of kettlebell sport that we talk and act like everyone is in the world of kettlebell sport. It's like, what? What do you know? What, you know what a master sport is? And, right. you know, so it becomes a little bit, you know, of unintentional elitism is what I call it. 
It's like, right. you know, or a little bit of kettlebell snobbery without even trying. Right. <laughs> so, you know, because the thing is, just that passion for it, and you, you love it so much, you feel like, well, everyone should be doing this. Everyone should know about this. Well, guess what? what yeah. There, there was a time when you didn't know what the heck it was either. That's right. <laughs> so, Everybody should know about it. It's just a matter of how. You know, how can we make this sport sexy enough that a – a, a corporation is going to going to want to talk about it and sponsor it. Okay, so they made CrossFit sexy. Um, how right. can we make kettlebell sports sexy? Um, I'm not sure. But well, that's, once once, you, once that's what I was going to say about CrossFit when you guys were talking earlier is that CrossFit really blew up when all the good looking women got involved. That was what made it right. very compelling because all of a like when the really good looking women get involved, that means mm-hmm. it's it's you know, that means everyone else wants to get involved. Sure, so, sure. I mean, it, it, it works both it, it yeah, it works both ways. Yeah, so. so men and women, you know, they get they start paying attention. Like, wait a minute, right? Because right. the men are looking like okay. Here's some hot chicks, and you know you can call it sexist or what? It's just the truth. Here, here's some hot chicks lifting weights now, not just doing five pound little pink dumbbells stepping on top of a aerobic stepper anymore. Which, you know that you know, God bless you if that's what you do, and that keeps gets right. you off the couch. But it's not very motivating in the long run. Whereas, you know, what guy did not want you know some girl to really just step up and like lift some real weights? Because mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, come on, any man's man, especially any men that listen to this show. We know that's freaking sexy. See a woman pick right. up a barbell or heavyweight. And first of all, it makes you have to step your game up. You can't be the little soft boy anymore. <laughs> you know, right. your ego starts telling you, like, man, your girl lifts more than you. And it's not right. that that's a bad thing. It just means, like, you need to get off your ass with being lazy and just going around lifting beers all the freaking time. You need to actually, like, step into the weight room, dude, and take control of yourself. Because guess what? Your chick is getting hotter. She's getting stronger. You're getting lazy. That means she's going to end up going somewhere else. <laughs> okay, so. I, I think- <laughs> Yeah, I think gym, you know, the gym atmosphere is a great leveling field, uh, you know, for for people just to meet and have a conversation, not that you have to date them or anything, you can, but it's just, you know, when you see somebody working out, it's just you're all on the same playing field, so it's it's just a nice thing that you can talk to. I, I mean, there's a cartoon that's always on Facebook where you see two people sitting across from each other, and they're, you know, she says, so what's your Fran time, or what's, you know, what's your barbell squat, and he's like, what? And she she looks over her shoulder and she goes next. Yeah, know what Fran is, and he does, or she doesn't know what the barbell lift is. And that's you know that's basically what it is. It, it's something you can talk about. I mean, my husband and I are always talking about our workouts and you know how tough it was or what was the toughest thing. It's just you know it's a lifestyle. It's something that you know you can do together with your friends or your partner or just you know to break the ice. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. this is fabulous. The other meme that I like is the one that's, um, this is like, if your boyfriend doesn't know what a, what Fran is, you have a girlfriend. It is one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so we yeah, have to find a way to make it, um, make it more marketable um, and make it appealing. And, um, you know, I, I think for, for me, the biggest appeal is that you can do it as, you're, as you get older and it has a very low injury rate, but that's not sexy enough to sell this sport. It's not sexy enough to put on a commercial. So we need to add sexy. Um, you know, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe Victoria's Secret models with uh, <laughs> with a pink kettlebell on hand doing some nope. clean and jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that would definitely get people's attention. Yeah, exactly. So, Wait a minute. Whatever works. Well, I, I think it's going in that direction. I think you're a good role model. There's people like Donica. There's, there's quite right. a few women that I think other women would find really appealing in terms of what they want to look like and they sure. would gravitate towards what you all are doing. So I think I think it's moving in that direction and just more more people like such as yourself putting out products and being good role models for others that just builds more awareness and furthers that end. Right. Yeah, I, I hope and so. On flip, and on the flip side of that, you know, it's not just women need to make it more sexy. It's like men as well, because let's just be honest for years, <laughs> you know, I mean, cause this, all, this still works both ways because one thing about it, if you have these really fit guys doing it, cause that's the same thing that works for CrossFit. It's not just the women in CrossFit that make it hot, you know, even just the face of the men themselves in CrossFit yeah. changed over the years because right. they, right. they had to. In order to Absolutely. be in there with women, those guys had to step their game up. Well, I feel like even in this sport, to make it even more commercially viable, it needs to be the same way with men as well. Because for, long, for a long time, in the very early ages of, of kettlebells and kettlebell sport, you had a lot of people who transitioned, for a lot of men who came from the world of powerlifting and things like that, and yeah. not taking anything away from some powerlifters, because even some of these guys are changing their, their ways as well, instead of the old traditional ways the guys with the big guts and you know eating eight or nine hamburgers a day just because you got to eat exactly so you know that's changing big time so i think that also has to happen with kettlebell sport as well just the, the just the 
the actual profile of the male and female athlete pretty much has to evolve a bit and become this, yeah. this visual this visual representation of being fit. You know, just, like I said, it's just a visual representation. It doesn't necessarily mean they are fit, but, you know, mm-hmm. people, you know, they judge the book by the cover when it comes to the world of fitness first. You know, I mean, that's the reason why you see so many fitness model memes popping around all the time. We don't know what kind of dieting they've done or extreme things they've done before <laughs> that photo shoot or anything like that, but right. people don't care. They're just like, I want a six-pack like that. So when you start having a six-pack and you're lifting kettlebells, then people are like, wait a minute, you mean right. a six-pack from kettlebells? And now they're paying attention. You know, because, again, aesthetics, you know, this, this thing about being visual that really gets everyone's attention in this world of, you know, of health and fitness. So uh, it has to work both ways, men and women. Absolutely. Well, I think you can learn. I think you can learn a lot from the, the CrossFit model as well, mm-hmm. because exactly. as, as successful as it has been, there's a lot of things that are serious flaws that are ultimately going to cause some big time issues with that mm-hmm. community in the sense that the, the poor technique, the amount of injuries, all of those factors. Right. Because, I mean, if you have, if the amount of in- injuries hits a certain point, then it's going to have the opposite effect of everything that they've done so far. And that's been a big problem right now where chiropractors and physical therapists are modeling their businesses around CrossFit injuries. <laughs> they're they're opening how, up their doors, right? They're opening their offices, you know, within blocks right. of CrossFit because yeah, they're yeah, exactly. doing so well. They're doing so Sometimes well. on-site. Sometimes on-site. Oh, yeah, exactly. Come on in for a workout. You're going you're gonna to blow out your – when you blow out your back, we have a guy on-site. <laughs> that will help you. It's kind of like having, like, the paramedics already, like, at a, at a UFC <laughs> fight. It's like, yeah, yeah, just in case, you know, you have to go to the hospital. We'll yeah, maybe on that note, it's one of the reasons that it's probably taken a while for kettlebell sport to really become commercially viable for the fact that, you, you know, this sport itself tends to really, for the most part, focus more on efficiency and form first before necessarily focusing on aesthetics and, and trying to just get it out to the masses and everything else. So they're actually, you know, in, in most aspects doing it right. And, you know, right. And, you know, if it gets out there and becomes very, very popular, cool with that. But otherwise, you know, safety, form, efficiency, those things are more important than, hey, look at us. We're doing kettlebell sport, and you should be doing well, it too. The, the yeah. good thing about a 10-minute set is you're not going to last with bad form. Right? <laughs> exactly. You, you no, you're not. You're not going to last with – yeah, right. You, you have to know your technique, and you have to have endurance, and you have to have your cardio and all of that, and, and you have to have stable to joints. Um, but you have to be patient. I mean, this is a sport of patience. Whereas, you know, in CrossFit or other workouts, um, you know, you can use the bands to get in your 10 reps of chins and you can get in your push-ups even if you have to do them on your knees and you can lift the barbell, um, right. you can, which is great because you're going you're gonna to hit your goal. By the end of the workout, you will have gotten in all the reps and the allotted time or you will have met the, you know, you, feel, you walk away feeling satisfied um, no matter what your level is. Most of the time, I assume. Um, but with kettlebell sport, you, you really have to be patient. And um, I have so many. I have one client who's in her late 40s, and she wanted to start competing. Um, she was turned on to kettlebell sport through a friend of hers, and she said, "I want to start with snatch because I did a few with a with a you know light bell, and I really like it. I want to start with snatch." I said, "Are you sure? Because snatch is pretty hard." And she said, "Yeah, I want to start with it." So a few weeks into the program, you know, I'm giving her two, three-minute sets, maybe a four-minute set, and modulating the weights and the loads, and she emails me. She goes, I, I don't understand. I, it's, it's, I, I, you know, I'm losing my grip, and I'm, I'm not able to breathe, and I'm this, and I'm that. And I said, do you remember the first conversation we had? I said, snatch is challenging. I said, if you want it. She says, no, I want to do it. I want to do it. So I'm like, okay, but you have to be patient. This is a sport. You're not going to make it to 10 minutes for, you know, for months. I mean, maybe with a lightweight, but with your competition weight, it's going to take a long time depending on your background and your, right. you know, your given capacity. But you have to be patient. So that, that has to go with the territory. Yeah, it's so funny. People see snatch like, yeah, I want to do that. That's easier. I'm like, no, you know, there's something to be said about doing long cycle <laughs> and having that rack position where you yeah. can actually just stop for a second and get your, your, your mind together. I said, with snatch... Dude, the only place you can rest is overhead, and that's the right. last place you want to rest. Right. <laughs> that's the suckiest place that we want to have to rest or whatever. So you got to really have it together with snatch, man. And yeah, it looks beautiful while it's happening, but there are some 
there's some chaos going on inside. <laughs> the person that just, that <laughs> chaos, just snatched that's a good way to put it. I like that. There's something you <laughs> in your mind. You're there's like, some chaos, there's some undefined room. chaos going on inside. <laughs> <laughs> Every rep you ask yourself, like, what the hell is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? I've really lost my mind. I can't oh, yeah. rest. I can't well, the, rest. The grip starts giving out, and you're yeah, pulling exactly. the bell vertically. You're like, why, why am I doing this? Oh, let me tell you, yeah. the grip is like the when the grip is going out, it's like the biggest. It's like it's almost like your mate is cheated on you, and you walked in on it. It's like you look at your grip, like why? And you're about three, you're about three reps away, and you know you're gonna drop it. That's what sucks even more. You're like, I know oh, I'm gonna lose this. I got one more feeling. rep. It's the worst bitch. feeling when you I miss it by two. Yeah, I did that once. I missed Master Sport International class with the 20 kg biathlon by two reps i was so oh, i was really angry well, i was angry for about a half an hour and then i went over to the organizer of the competition i said when's my next opportunity to do it again just, just tell me when if it's in th- because i need i'm going to start planning so i put you know right. i was angry and i put it aside and i started focusing on the next opportunity and that was that and then you just exactly. go back to the you go back to work exactly. you know and you know that that's ultimately about, what you should do there. Yeah, yeah. That, that frustration. Yeah, yeah. One thing about it, Michael's talking about the ten minute set, man. You know, you can't do it with bad form. That's why I always like to tell when I'm teaching courses and, t- and talking about kettlebell sport. One thing about a ten minute set, I always call it the great equalizer. Okay, yeah. that's the one thing about it. Like you, you'll know for sure where you are physically and mentally when you're going for that ten minutes. Whereas you can get away with stuff when you're doing things for reps. If you're doing three sets of five or whatever, you can kind of get away with a lot of stuff oh, with yeah. that. Ten minutes, you don't get away with anything. It's just, it's kind of like having a, that, that one good parent, no matter what you're trying to do, if they have their back to you, they can tell you, like, hey, put that down, stop that, right. shut up. You're like, wait a minute, how do they even see me? <laughs> you know, right. they always, you know, they know, they just have, like, eyes in the back of their head, so they just know these things about you. That ten minutes set, it knows everything about you. Oh, it yeah. knows where your weaknesses are, where your inefficiencies are, where you've been cheating with your form. It's, it's going to be exploited in those ten minutes, one way or the other. And that's yeah. a great thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It is, and that's where, you, that's where you learn. You know, you, you learn there's, there's so much to the technique, there's so many nuances that it, it's mind-blowing how many nuances there are to the, to the various lifts. It's just incredible. Really cool. Well, awesome. I think that's a good place to wrap up. L- Lorna, where, where can people find out more about what you have going on, your website? Okay, so my website is Lorna, L-O-R-N-A, fit, F-I-T, uh, dot com or kettlex.com. Either one works. And um, I have my DVDs on there. I have online coaching, uh, one-on-one training. And, uh, you know, you can contact me if you have any questions. Awesome. And make sure to check out her clips on YouTube. On YouTube. You can see her competing. You can see her giving some instruction. Very impressive stuff. Very inspiring. Real pleasure having you on the show, Lorna. Well, thanks thank a lot. You so and sincere, I really, um, I really appreciate the opportunity, and um, I will share this uh, this interview um, all over the social media and get it out there. All right, thanks a lot. Sounds okay. great. Thank you. See you on the platform. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks. Take care. Take Bye. care. Bye. Okay, again, folks, that was Lorna Clydman. Definitely check out her website. Check out her on YouTube. Get some stuff. I mean, if you're looking for a good gift for your girlfriend or wife, take a look at her videos. And we're going to just keep getting more inspiring guests like this. You know, we've, we've had a nice series of months here with awesome right. guests. And we're going to keep them coming. We have a stacked month in May. We've got June already lining up nicely. I've got Dude. a nice list of killer contacts that I'm going to be working on realize, all week to fill up you, June and July. Do you realize we're just a couple of weeks away from our one-year anniversary? I mean, dude, this has been a crazy 12 months, almost 12 months. And to be to be to clarify, he's talking about the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I didn't like, think that. Yeah, come on, I, man. Let's keep, <laughs> let's keep that under wraps, all right? <laughs> he's like, he's like, do you, <laughs> you, you, you realize, like, well, you really, if you wait for from our one year anniversary, <laughs> Paul, that's all walking in the room, and she's saying that she's like, like oh, what shit. the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, <laughs> even my dog is looking at me confused right now. <laughs> no, nah, man, that's cool. I mean, it, it it feels like only a few months. It doesn't feel anywhere close to a year, and I, and I think that's a good sign that you actually enjoy something. Because if we if we didn't like doing the show, believe me, we would have been dragging a while back. It would have started becoming more and more infrequent. It's like once a month. <laughs> no, you can you can always tell when someone doesn't want to do something anymore. It's like they used to blog every week or like or every couple like a few times a week, and then it became once a week, and then it's like every other week, once a month, three times a year. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to see that with a lot of podcasts out that I started listening to. That I thought they were really great, but 
you know, you look back and the last episode was like six months ago. I'm like, you know what? I'm unsubscribing for this. They're never coming back. They're done. And if they try to come back, it's going to be too hard for them to build momentum again because they've lost so many people. So, and it was so funny. As, as a matter of fact, like a couple of days ago, you know, my wife asked me, she's like, so baby, are you having fun? Are you, I mean, you still enjoying the podcast? <laughs> it's almost like you're kind of waiting like, because, you know, I have that true entrepreneur mind. It's like, okay, I like this. I'm doing this. I'll do this. Let's do this. Here's a good idea. Let me work on this. So right. she's, she's probably just waiting like, okay, you're going to get bored with this. I'm like, nah, I'm good. You know, I said, I, said, I stayed up to like six in the morning the other morning and I went through and re-edited like four of the episodes just, just to fix the audio quality on them. <laughs> you know, and I said, I was not going to bed until I got it done. <laughs> she was like, yeah, okay, you're happy. You're good. <laughs> so. And, and it doesn't hurt that when you work for yourself, you know, if you go to bed at four or five in the morning, you can get up at around 11 or 12 and there's no problem with that. Right. So, exactly. so that also helps. So, yeah, it yeah. just allows a level of freedom to work when you, it's, it's kind of like you get your work in when your life allows, as opposed right. to the other way around. When you want to work right. for someone else, trying to get your life in when your work allows. When you work for yourself, and you, a lot of people say, oh, you know, when you work for yourself, you're, you're, you're going to be even more busy and so forth. And, and that's true if you want it to be that way, but you can, if you set it up in a certain way, I have a ton of free time on my hands right now. You know, I've, I've been through the grind of being out there traveling all the time, working all the time and so forth. And now, now I have a high level of passive income and I'm not talking about the MLM crap income. I'm talking about real passive income, you know, oh, what, stuff, what, that I've created, stuff that I've created from my efforts, not from no, the no great bus, business opportunities for you, Mike. Are you serious? <laughs> it's not passive income where I have a bunch of people out there working for me and I'm just kicking back saying suckers, you know, you know what? <laughs> you know, that is passive income. That is passive income income because one thing about it when you start trying to like, get a bunch of people like hey i got this great opportunity for you they just pass right by you and that's passive income right there. <laughs> yeah, if you're watching that income just pass by <laughs> into the sunset <laughs> yeah, i'm good keep now nah, i'm good bro <laughs> it is called passing by income yeah, passing, income. <laughs> passing income Pass there me we go. income it's more like <laughs> just keep watching it go by there it goes again exactly. walking watch it well no, so I mean, you can you can set up your business where you have a lot more free time. But anyway, that's a discussion for a whole other show. But the point is, is that you, know, you you can you enjoy what you're doing. It becomes part of your life, where it's not something you need to escape from as much as when you're just doing a job and punching in hours. So anyway, we've we've talked about that quite a bit. Yep. So we'll we'll wrap right there. And remember, folks, you can still get in to the Live Life Aggressively Summit on September 2021. For the low price of seven ninety nine ninety five, no installment plans. You got to pay the whole thing, okay? and you got to pay it before the end of this month. So you have until next Wednesday, I believe. It's the last day of the month. So last day of well, April. Actually, by the time this show comes out, you have yeah, a few yeah, days. yeah. You have yeah. a few days, okay? <laughs> actually, by the this time this show comes out, over. Yeah, you have a couple of days left by the time you, you're listening to this show. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the day you're listening to the show, when that day is over, so is the offer. So get it in before the end of April. You don't want to miss out on this course. It's going to be a killer time. It's going to be super fun. You're going to hang out with some really interesting people. You know, when do, when do you get a chance to really meet up with similar-minded people? For a lot of people, a lot of your friends and family, they don't really get it. They don't get the whole fitness lifestyle. They don't get your enthusiasm about it. Every time you talk about it, they just look at you like you're a dork. <laughs> you know? so, eyes like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So this, uh, look, look at this the way a Trekkie looks at a Star Trek convention. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a place to go meet similar-minded people, and it's in Las Vegas. You know, I don't need this any more than that. So anyway, I don't need to sell this anymore. We're at 32 people. I just had a guy sign up while we were talking. So we're at 32 people. So we have so eight the remaining people left. Eight, the remaining eight, if there are eight by the time you hear this you know, next week. You know, so hit us up. Email us, mike at llapodcast.com, sincere at llapodcast.com. Say, dude, I want in. Send me the link. I'm ready to sign up, and we'll make that happen for you so you can make it happen for yourself. It's just that simple. And then, and, and then if you don't feel like signing up for the course, that's okay. You can, there's other options for you to help us out. <laughs> yeah. You can use the coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements, my videos, my T-shirts, basically anything that's sold on my website. And you can also you can use that same coupon code to get the hookup at Sincere's website. What do you got, man? Yeah, if you just hop over to newwarriortraining.com, you get 30% off my digital or physical copy of my body weight training DVD, as well as my weight management one-on-one course, self-paced. Learn more about your body, how food works with your body, how your training is working with your body. Put it all together, 
where it makes sense. You're not getting duped by all the gimmicks out there, and you're a more informed consumer. And look, knowledge is power, man, and that's what this course is going to teach you. Like I said, it's self-paced. You got audio, you got video, you got PDFs, you got all these support materials to help you with this course. So you get 30% off of that when you use coupon code LLA. And pretty soon, I'll have something for you coffee lovers out there. So stay tuned. I got something coming along the way. So usually I don't like saying stuff ahead of time, but I do want to talk about this. So you coffee lovers are going to really love this. Stay tuned. Make sure you hop on my website and stay tuned with that. All right, folks. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. You have all your missions in life you got to take care of, where you want to go to the course or go to both our websites to support the show. It all works out. Take care of that. We'll see each and every one of you on the next show. Take care, everybody.